doctrines. I call them doctrines of demons. Continuing, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with food, which have no profit, which has not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar. We have an altar whereof they have no right to each which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside of the camp, outside the gate. Verse 13 again. Let us go therefore unto him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget, forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for you, your souls, as they that might give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly, but I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I beseech you, brothers, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in a few words. Know that you... Know, uh, know that our brother Timothy is set at liberty with whom, if he comes shortly, I will see you. Salute all of them that rule over you and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. I want to just condense one thought. When Christ came, he came to end let me rephrase this. Moses was given the law. He was given Ten Commandments. And they were perfect. And then Moses later would expound on the Ten Commandments and give the whole thought of God's intention to the children of Israel in different things. Conduct, your neighbor, food, and it was complete. But as the years and centuries went on, there were things added. And by the time to the, to the word of God, so to speak, 
the oral word. By the time that Messiah began his ministry, the Sanhedrin Pharisees, they had rewritten the scripture. It was basically rewritten with the concept of man blended with what initially was given to Moses. It was contaminated. It had been so, it was now laws that men could not keep. Christ, when he came, he came to restore what had been polluted, contaminated, changed with all the thought of mankind, the philosophy that was added to, the, to what wrote Moses initially presented, had what was written, then the prophets, everything was changed. There were no prophets to some degree at the time of Christ, other than John the Baptist. He began to bring a reality to Israel and the prophets of Israel. He was going to introduce the true prophet of Israel. And as he would go into the wilderness and people would follow him out there, uh, out into the wilderness, and he would preach repentance, he was basically the, the people, the children of Israel once again realized there's, there's the Pharisees in the temple and there's John the Baptist in the wilderness. And he in the wilderness began to draw people outside the camp, outside the structure, outside of the system. He was already setting a type, a pattern for what Christ would do. John was in the wilderness preaching repentance, turning back to God. The temple, day after, week after week after week after week, the same ritual, the same routine, lifeless, without hope, full of condemnation. John was speaking outside of the religious system. He was presenting to Israel what Messiah was going to do upon his arrival. Christ was baptized. The Spirit descended upon him. A voice was heard from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And Christ exactly did the exact same thing. He would go into the streets out in the wilderness and he would begin his ministry outside of the structure and system of the organized religion of that day. They worshipped and they had blood sacrifice, they had animal sacrifice still to some degree but Christ was going to show the children of Israel 
a more perfect way. He was going to be the sacrifice, not of goats, of bullocks, but he was going to be the sacrifice as the Lamb of God. And he could only do that outside the camp. He could not do it within the structure of the system of Judaism of the time, at that time, of that day. He had to go outside the camp, suffer outside the camp. His blood had to be shed outside the camp. Not within that structure, not within that system. They had contaminated it to the point where God had to bring a judgment on it. And that judgment came through Jesus Christ. Now, let's jump forward to the time in which we are presently. Christ, after His death and resurrection, His Spirit, He breathed into the disciples on the night of resurrection. He breathed His Holy Spirit into them. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. And this began a new plan, the new, not just a plan, a new, not just a way. It introduced to the world a kingdom with power. Not ritual, but a kingdom in which the apostles now had the Holy Spirit within them and upon them complete. In the Old Testament times, the Spirit was upon the prophets. But now Christ is inside of the apostles. He's inside. Paul said later, that I might know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Christ being within. Now, there was a kingdom that now existed after the night of resurrection. A kingdom that had authority and power in the spiritual realm over demons, principalities, powers. A kingdom that was empowered by the Spirit of God so that the plan of God in the next centuries, two centuries roughly, would be a completely new representation, a body of believers that would represent God in a new way with the Holy Spirit within and this could only be accomplished by the blood of a spotless lamb. Rams, goats, sheep, in the old way of sacrifice, did not cover sins of man. The Lamb of God washed away the sins of man. Free, uh, uh, freeing man from the hold of transgressions, of the hold of what 
individuals would do, the evil, the evil that we deal with, that mankind has to deal with, it affects the conscience. And people are in bondage until their sins are forgiven and then washed away through baptism. Today, for the last 2,000 years, Christ gave the apostles and gave Matthew in chapter 5, 6, and 7. Matthew was given a condensed version of the laws of Moses, not just in thought, but in reality, in practice. Judge not, lest you be judged. He condensed everything, Moses, Christ condensed everything that Moses had spoken through Moses, he condensed it in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. This was Messiah himself presenting to those that were there when he had his sermon. You will not be able to follow these commands. It's impossible unless you have the Holy Spirit. The law was impossible. The What Christ presented on the mount was even more impossible. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is impossible. But because the Christians would have the Holy Spirit, they would be able to fulfill everything in those chapters. Then he concludes at the end in chapter 7, the final verses. He presents it this way. He's concluded the conversation, his teachings. He says, I will liken a man who builds his house upon these teachings of mine or they that build their... Uh, uh, I should actually get the verses. I'm trying to go by memory here. But, like I said, I, I didn't plan to go this direction right out of the... kind of out, out of the gate. But uh, I felt that with what is happening in the body of Christ... Today is, I have to present this thought. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 7. Verse, um, I'll start with verse 21. And this is the condition today with many ministries in, in America and internationally. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now he is speaking to born again people. He's not speaking to unbelievers. These verses are for born again people, for true believers in Jesus Christ. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that 
does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have, not, have we not cast out demons? And in your name we did many wonderful works? Verse 23. And I will say to them, I never had a relationship with you. You didn't have a relationship with me. I didn't have a relationship with you. You loved to work, but you didn't love me. You loved to cast out demons through my power, through my name, but you didn't love me. You loved to do these works and miracles so that you, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees, you could receive the glory. I'm paraphrasing that. I want you to depart from me. You're not allowed to be near me. Leave. Depart. You have worked iniquity. Then verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, not Moses, not Moses, he's saying, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Every Christian is going to have hardships of life. No, you cannot avoid it. There will be hardships. They will come in many different ways. With your finances, with your marriage, with your employer, with your children, if you're married and have children, the world, the cosmos, is, is going to, like gravity, weigh, weigh you down. We cannot avoid the natural conditions that will take place within our days. At the same time, with we believers, even more so than non-believers to a degree, there is a demonic world out there. There is a devil with fallen angels, with demons, their foot soldiers, who will be given orders to attack you in a spiritual spiritual demonic sense but if you have built your life upon the sayings of Christ and he's referring to the Sermon on the Mount Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 then chapter all through the chapter Matthew 6 Matthew 7 he's just explained to his people these are my sayings. I'm going to make it e I will make it easy on you. The Jewish people they'll have Moses Moses's laws and then they've added their own restrictions, their own laws 
These are the laws that you should build upon. My sayings. Build upon my sayings. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. This is what some of the most positive prayers a Christian can pray. Positive in the sense that you must exercise your faith. Ask, he, he, he is saying to the Christian people today, you have needs. Don't think about the needs. Ask. Ask. Christians, the Christian people in this country are afraid to pray for themselves. They are afraid to ask. Not just for physical things, not just for things that are in the temporal, in the that are that will, you know, like your meal today and whatever. Yes, those things too. But if you feel like you are dead to Christ, that there's something missing in your relationship with the Lord. Ask, Lord, what is it? What is this insulation? What is it? Is it me? Is it the devil? What is it? Show me, Lord Jesus. Show me what it is. Show me why I don't seem to have a deep, fervent, burning, tender, loving relationship with you. What is it? Ask in anything, whatever it is you need, ask. And, the, and Christ said, it shall be given. We're going to go to the bottom of the hour break. The podcast for the Olive Tree program are on 1360khnc.com. And uh, you can hear the repeats and replays of these programs. We'll be back in just a few minutes. What type of financial advisor are you looking for? A lot of advisors work for some great companies that offer good products, but are they taking a close look at what truly matters to you? Most advisors are unfortunately one-trick ponies and come at you with the same strategy no matter what situation you are in. Most of the time, your advisor isn't even reaching out to you to review things and has no desire to actually build a relationship with you. You want to work with someone who's going to hustle their butt off and compete for you and make sure that you are maximizing your hard-earned dollars. I will work day and night for all of my clients and do everything in my power to deliver the best service possible. Reach out to me, Joey Jaquin, Joe Jaquin son, someone who is going to compete for your business and truly aligns with your conservative values. You can reach me at my personal cell, 602-909-9048. Again, 602-909-9048. Oh, happy day. Okay, on Sundays, 9 to noon, I'll be here. Generally, unless I have a cold, which I'm getting over, and I lose my voice, then I'll have to do replays. 
Otherwise, I will generally be here unless it's uh, two foot of snow or an and the power is out and we can't transmit. I'll be here. This is not something that I do for a living. This is a ministry. I minister for the sake of the kingdom of heaven so that God's children and the family of God will hear the truth, that they will know the time that we're living in. It's important. Without a vision, the people perish. If you don't know what's coming, you cannot protect yourself. With each hurricane that hits the East Coast or West Coast, there is warning. There were warnings. There's an early warning system. And it's important. I've seen a hurricane coming to hit Florida or the South. And three, four days before, as soon as the notice has gone out that there's the possibility of a hurricane reaching land on a certain day, at a certain hour, at a certain second, people are in to the stores getting supplies. With the Christian people, it is even more important. It is more um, it, it's, it's very important that we know what is coming, what is going to happen. And as I go into this day, program today, I am going to give you more detail about what is happening in Israel. But I, I'm going to finish with what I was saying. I'm trying to work in a reality and a way to encourage you and give you the reality of what the Bible says so that you can be well. I'm not Joel Olstein. I'm not going to tell you that I want to just, I don't want to tell you there's no sin. Well, that's not the way he flies. That's not the way he flies. And he, he says that. He wants to make sure that his audience has a fluffy pillow to land on. That everyone is told gentle things. His audience, they are people with tender feet. They don't have any uh, spiritual strength, fortitude, even in their soul. The rains, the winds, and the floods are coming. They have begun to, the winds have begun to blow. The rains are getting heavier. The spiritual forces of hell are, the activity is increasing. And as it increases and the demonic activity just goes, uh, becomes more prevalent, floods, floods of evil are going to take place internationally and in this country. It's already taking, it's already taking place. This is why you have the Holy Spirit. You have the very God that created all things living inside of you. You have a right to ask Him for help. 
even if you are coming before him in rags, which even we come before him every 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 time I come before him, I'm coming before him with uh, in filth in in what I am by my nature. But I have the blood of Jesus Christ, and I have a heart that is tender to God, and I want I want to make sure my relationship is above all things my relationship I take care of this relationship with with God everyone that is a believer has that opportunity you have a right to ask him for help and to seek him because you're going to need answers for certain things for problems that you may have and you don't have a remedy you there's no way out you need to seek him Sometimes you'll seek him and the answer won't come for a week or two weeks or three weeks. But if it's something that is so pressing, it's a matter of life and death, the answer will come instantly, immediately, quickly. God knows what you're seeking him for. And if it's a, if it's a time-sensitive matter, he'll answer right away. But then if you're seeking him, he may delay the answer because he wants to see how seriously, how serious you are about what it is you need in your seeking, trying to find something that is important to you. Then knocking. He wants to know how many times will you come back and knock on that door till you get your answer? Will you knock three times? Then will you knock once and then leave and come back and knock again and leave and come back a third time? He wants to know how many times are you willing to come and knock until you get your answer till that door is opened. These are spiritual principles that are very important for the Christian family to know. You need to know that these are spiritual principles and God will help you grow and reveal himself to you and give you a greater, deeper understanding of who he is as you continue to come, ask, seek, and knock. Now, I, I want to stay with the, the other thought. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, they beat upon that house, and it did not fell. It held firm. It was stable. It was solid. It could not be shaken. It remained in place. There was no damage. There was no roofer to call. There's no construction companies to call to put new siding on the, on the house. Because it was founded upon the teachings of Christ. Upon a rock. Then he says, And everyone that hears the sayings of mine, they hear them, but they won't do them, and they won't do them. We'll be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Now, in the body of evangelical body of Christ, excuse me, in America, there are foolish Christians 
This is speaking to the Christian people. This is not speaking to the world. This is speaking. Christ was there with his followers. Herod wasn't there and all these people, well, he was dead. They're, all these people, they weren't there. Pilate wasn't there. All these people that would be there when he was crucified, the men in the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, oh, they probably a few of them were sneaking in. They got tickets one way or the other. But he was speaking to his children. So there in the body of Christ, you have the wise and you have the foolish. You go on to, you, you go to YouTube, you go into Christian stations, and you look at the pastor, the person leading the service. Is that a, is that pastor, is he blind or does he see? Because if he's blind, Christ said, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the fecal canal. It's not a ditch. It's a canal that carries waste out of a city. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the fecal canal. Filth, sickness, disease. It's very hard to clean yourself up from that kind of a situation. The people that are following the blind leaders of this country are the foolish. Let's be honest. They are foolish. If they don't have the discernment to see that the person that they're listening to week after week, week after week is blind, that that I'll use the word pastor, is teaching anything that deviates from sound doctrine. He's, he's got some problems with his eyesight. Or with teachings concerning theology, the relationship with man and God. He has cataracts. He may be, have some, uh, what's the other disease? Degeneration. Macular degeneration. And if that minister doesn't present to God's children the age in which we live, then definitely he needs to have cataract surgery. The blind, there are blind in this nation, in the evangelical churches, I'm excluding the others, I'm excluding mainline denominations. My ministry is most specifically to evangelical Christianity, to Pentecostal movement, to, to the Messianic movement, to Charismatic movement, to the fundamental churches. I have a friend that I visited with that was Catholic. His mother just passed away. She's Catholic. Wonderful, wonderful Catholic woman. A godly woman called to the Catholic Church, lived her life in the Catholic Church along with her husband. They were, they just glowed. They were, they, they were full of love. 
in the Catholic Church as Catholics. They were devout Catholics. And then the Catholics uh, wanted this much money for this, much, this much money for that. And it all went sideways and they had to do the funeral someplace else because they finally, the, the children got to finally see what this particular Catholic Church was all about. It was about a fee for this, a fee for that, a fee for this other thing here. And no, you can't have somebody stand up and give us a quick eulogy to your mother and how wonderful she was. So they went elsewhere. But anyhow, to the evangelical churches, the blind are leading the blind. They're going, they have already fallen into the fecal canal. The foolish have been building their homes, their, their lives, not on the teachings of Christ, but on the teachings of the assembly that they have signed a little piece of paper saying, I will be a faithful member here. This is my church. This is my assembly. This is where I come to worship. And they take the system and the ways of that assembly and that becomes a structure and that's how they structure their days. We as believers, yeah, you can be in an assembly and you can, you know, whatever the law or whatever the, the rules may be, yes, you can abide by them. But ultimately, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 to begin with, and then the balance of the scriptures, that must be what you build your life upon. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew. The winds are blowing. The rain is falling. And the or, or the rain is falling, the winds are blowing, and the floods are coming. And the floods are going to beat upon that house, and it collapsed. And great was the collapse of it. We individually... We are responsible for our own spiritual growth. Your pastor is not responsible for your spiritual growth. He's not, he's not responsible for your relationship with the very God himself in the form of the Son of God. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live inside of each believer. Read Romans 8. Chapter 8. And if the Spirit of God dwell in you, if the Spirit of Christ dwell in you, and if Christ dwell in you, it's right there. The Father, the Godhead, is in the true believers. Jesus Christ was God. The Holy Spirit is God. God the Father is the Spirit. It's complicated in the mind but it's not complicated in the, in, the, in the experience. I know the God of heaven lives in me, and I know His Son, Jesus Christ, lives in me. 
and I know the Holy Spirit lives in me. It's my experience. It's not a doctrine. It's not a teaching. It's an experience. I experience, and this is the desire of what should be the desire of every believer, that you desire to experience daily the Holy Spirit with you. The, the blessings of Almighty God and protection of Almighty God upon you. And every day you experience, every day is Passover because your sins are washed away. Every day. Three times a day, ten times a day, seventy times a day. Whenever you do something that is in conflict with God's laws of God's kingdom, by the blood of Jesus Christ, they're washed away. And that atonement, the at-one-ment, takes you right back into the relationship of perfect harmony and continuation in your relationship with God. Now, I'm going to go back to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 13. For the last 2,000 years, once again, just like the children of Israel, the initial word of, uh, through the apostles, doctrine, theology, eschatology, was given to the body of Christ. But as time went on, then, just like with ancient Israel, things began to be added into the pure word of God. Moses' law the Ten Commandments and then Moses' teachings were complete. They didn't need anything added. But the nature of man is to add more religiousness, more control, more of everything that is not needed. So we laugh at Israel and we look at Israel and we see the, see the mistakes they made but we don't see. I sit and look at what happened over the last 2,000 years. The churches, the lampstands of God have done exactly the same thing. I can prove it. Revelation chapter 2. The deep things of Satan have been added to one of the churches. To Thyatira, to the Catholic Church, the fourth church. That have not known the deep things of Satan. Something has been added again, just like additional things added to what law, what Moses had presented that was complete, things were added. More restrictions, more requirements, more laws, more hardships, more, more uh, things that cannot be, they, they, um, re, these uh, additional hardships through religion for 2,000 years now these churches have added things that were not necessarily presented or that were not presented in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 we've done the exact same thing and here where we sit today the evangelical churches in America Guess what's coming? Christ came. John the Apostle was out in the wilderness. 
He wasn't in the temple. He went out to the wilderness and people went out to the wilderness to hear what he was, had to say to be baptized. Christ came. Where did he go? He went to the surrounding countryside to cast demons out, to heal the sick, to give the blind their sight. He went outside the temple. I don't think, I'm trying to think, he did not perform one miracle inside the temple or in the temple area. The only thing he did was he took some uh, baseball bats and he went in where they were conducting business in the temple area and he, I don't think he just, oh yeah, he overturned the tables. In other words, he made it very clear and it was a sign he was saying, you Pharisees, you Sanhedrin, you have built something that is offensive to me. This is not what my house was to be about. I am coming to destroy your house. On the day of resurrection, the death and resurrection, the destruction was complete. The destruction was complete. He was telling them, I'm coming to destroy this. I am not in the, I have come into the temple to destroy what you have built. I am outside the camp. You're going to crucify me outside the camp. You crucify bullocks. You crucify, or, or I'm sorry, you, 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 uh, you have all your sacrifices. Well, I am the sacrifice of sacrifices. I will wash man's sins away once and for all. But I have to be, I have to be, uh, what was it I was saying? Uh, I have to be crucified outside the camp. I can't be crucified. I can't have, I won't have any part of, I can't be a part of this system anymore. My people are going to come to me outside of this system. And what did he do? He brought in a new way in which God was going to work with mankind. That new way is outside of the old traditional Judaism. It is a new way through the Spirit that was the way that God was going to I'll just read it let's go therefore unto him outside of the camp bearing his reproach those that are going to walk with me just like I had reproach I was ridiculed they would spit on me they would mock me because I was crucified outside the camp. My people will have to meet me outside the camp. Not side, out, outside of any system, outside of any structure of man. They will meet me today in the time in which we live, just like they had to meet Christ initially after resurrection. We have built too many camps 
and too many children of God are inside these camps and Christ is outside and there is no understanding that most Christians in these evangelical churches are just in a camp like the Jewish people were in the temple structure. The same thing. God, the Lord, is bringing persecution to the members of the body of Christ. And the persecution is going to destroy the structure of all of what evangelical Christianity has built. All these structures, these assemblies, these places to assemble, the church buildings, are going to be shut down. They're going to be closed. And all that's going to be left is Christian people basically wandering and wondering where is Christ? Where two or three are gathered together, I am in the midst. This is the direction this body of believers in this country, this is the way we're going to go. One of these days, there'll be no Calvary churches. There'll be no Pentecostal assemblies. Assemblies of God. Four squares. They're all going to be closed down. God wants His children to know what's coming. Without a vision, my people perish. Jesus Christ is outside the camp. He's not in the system anymore. Within evangelical Christianity, you have the good, great, holy, and righteous pastors of this country. These people are helping their members to build upon a rock. Those that are teaching what Christ taught in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, these are the men responsible for the souls of the people in their assemblies. These men are the great men of this country. They may not, you probably don't even know who they are because they're hidden. God has hidden them from view. This is the end of the first hour. Podcasts are on 1360khnc.com to the Olive Tree site. I'm the uh, founder of the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry, Rick Rodriguez. I'll give contact information after the top of the hour. We'll be back. Hi, folks. Joe Jaquin here from the Half Empty Cup of Joe Show. Are you worried about investing in the stock market, especially with Joe Biden in office? Do you really trust this economy? What if you could invest in a secure, collateralized portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? A portfolio where you know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly, and there are no fees. You can turn your Come on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And get this, there's absolutely no loss of principal if you ever need your money back. 
Go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or call 888-Y-REFI-24. You can earn a fixed rate of return that's up to 10.25%. Just call 888-Y-REFI-24 or go to investyrefi.com and tell them Joe sent you. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The Tree Farm's 50-cent tree sale is going on now. Choose from thousands of carry-out-sized trees that are easy to handle and easy to plant. While supplies last, buy the first tree at regular price and mix or match a second tree for only 50 cents. Thousands of shade trees, flowering trees, fruit trees, evergreen trees, ornamental trees, and more. Also, huge savings on shrubs and perennials. You Come take see. I-25 to exit 235, then five miles west to the Tree Farm. As the economy collapses, are you prepared to provide even basic essentials for your family? I teach urban survival training course that arms you with hundreds of skills and hacks to keep you and yours going when everyone else gives up. Food and water are only the beginning. Call the Rev at 303-809-3343. That's 303-809-3343. This is Clay with Wagner Electric Company. We're out of Greeley. We're here to promote our Generac and Cummins standby generators and our service to the community with any electrical needs. We're located at 1517 2nd Avenue in Greeley, 970-800-3693. The biggest thing that we want to promote is that we set the standard and we're here to support you and your needs. 970-800-3693. My name is James with Milco Carpet Cleaning. I'm based out of Millican, serving all of northern Colorado. We're a family-owned company that will clean your carpets, upholstery, tile, and rugs. My goal is to freshen your home and business, leaving you dry and clean in no time with no residues. Mention this ad and receive $10 per room off, up to $50. You can call me at 970-405-3740 or email me at nococarpetcleaning at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out my reviews on Google. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out, 970-776-0258. My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com. That's 970-776-0258. This is Steve at Ramsey Auto Group. Hey, this is Mike from Ramsey Auto Group. Just stopping in to say hi, let you know that we're still open, still in business, and still rocking and rolling. You know, if you're looking for a good car experience, come see us. We have old school values. We still operate by handshake. We're not pushy. We want you to be happy, and uh, we have a great selection of trucks. 6175 West 10th Street, Greeley. 970-443-5654. 970-443-5654. The views and opinions expressed on KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Excursion Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back to the second hour of today's Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry radio church program. I'm your host and founder of the Olive Tree Ministry, Rick Rodriguez. The contact my contact and contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. And for the podcast for my programs and others on the station, 1360khnc.com. I host The Present Truth and also The Olive Tree Ministry. Okay, so I should probably try to get to my notes, but I wanted to present in the first hour that just like the Lord Jesus went outside the camp of Judaism, of the structure of religion at the time that he was crucified, he had to leave that structure. He had to leave that system. It was no longer useful. It was corrupt. It had become a a system of bondage. And so he brought in a completely new kingdom with power through the Holy Spirit. But for the last 2,000 years, just like what happened with Israel and Moses was given, Moses had given the children of Israel the Ten Commandments with a complete way in which the children of Israel were to conduct themselves with their neighbors, within a family, in relationships with, with a husband and wife, food. It was a complete system. It was a very healthy system. But men begin to add everything on top of that to it and destroyed the whole thing. It had no, because of the sacrifices of blood, of, of beasts, and uh, that blood sacrifice was not adequate to wash away the sins of man. The sins were forgiven, but they weren't washed. Christ brought in a system where the sins were washed, not only forgiven, but washed away, not remembered. Through baptism, they're completely washed away. Water baptism. All right. 2,000 years, now 2,000 years later, after Christ on the Mount of, uh, on the, uh, when he went and gave his Sermon on the Mount, we in the evangelical, or in the churches, the seven lampstands of God, have added the concepts and philosophies of man also in these lampstands. This is why the lampstands, the churches, are so dysfunctional. Dysfunctional Christianity. The evangelical churches of America... Why do you think the children of the world laugh? Because we're dysfunctional. We have all of the psychological conditions uh, 
unhealthy psychological conditions that people in general in the world that are not believers have. I was telling a friend, Walter Martin, before he passed away, had stated that he, he as a businessman, he would never do business with evangelicals because they couldn't be trusted. He couldn't trust them in business. Is this the case today? He said, generally, if I do any business with anybody, I will do, I prefer to do business with Catholics because at least the Catholics have a fear of God sometimes, more so than the evangelical Christians. They're washed with the blood and uh, they're sanctified and they're, they're not going to be held liable for anything that they do. But within this great body of believers in the evangelical churches, there is a residue. There is a group that are God-fearing, very God-fearing, righteous, they're holy, they, their whole walk is their, their daily walk with Christ. Their objective is to make sure that nothing interferes with the relationship and the, and the flow in, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the uh, fellowship with God. Many pastors in many churches, smaller churches generally, godly men, that have assemblies of people that are just the best. I've seen them. I've been in a few. A few. The bigger ones generally, eh, there's more problems. And the bigger, the big ones that I watch on television, this, this, is, uh, this is a shame. Okay, well... Now I'm going to, I guess I will, I will begin here. Because many of the ministries in this country will not or do not make it a habit or do not feel that Bible prophecy is important, the they are blind to what is happening around them. They don't see the prophecies that are being fulfilled. I will say, I will put it this way. Have you ever seen those little birds? There's like, a, like thousands and thousands of them. And I remember in the fall, driving down out in the country in eastern Colorado or just east of the mountains, and these birds would, would just like a cloud, they would just form these beautiful patterns, and up and down and left and right, and they just all over, they're swarming, they're swarming, all these beautiful configurations. Well, 
right now, there are prophecies in the Bible that are swarming together and they're moving different directions up and down and these birds are black. So with the blue sky, you could just see, you couldn't see through them. They were so thick. There were so many of them. You couldn't see through the birds to the blue sky on the other side of them. They would, they would kind of expand and kind of gray and then they'd collapse together and it would just turn one big black sheet. Beautiful. I'm going to talk about what is swarming right now that Christian pastors most for the most part are not talking about. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 or 4 through 8. Matthew 24, just those verses are giving the believer an insight into the... If I can get this, I'm sorry, I'm trying to, I'm working with a new computer here, and it's just not helping me, and I want to get, I want the uh, verses, I want to read them to you. Okay. All right. Verse, cha verses... Four through eight. Just these four verses. Just these verse four, five, six, seven, and eight. This little group right now is the second group of verses in this chapter. I part. I, there's part A, B, C, D, E, and F. Part A is Christ says the temple is going to be destroyed. Part B is verses 3 through 8. I'm going to read them to you. This is swarming right now. We are in this swarm of verses. The world is in this, these three, these five verses. He sat upon the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? meaning the temple, but more, more importantly, and what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the cosmos? What will be the sign? Two questions. We've, the, the temple has already been destroyed, A.D. 70. Now, part, the question two, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world, the end of the cosmos? The cosmos meaning the end of the time of the rule of Satan over the nations. When will Satan's time to rule end? When is that when will that time be? It's 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 later in the chapter. He answered the question, but it's later in the chapter. But let's stay with part B of Matthew twenty four. Verse 4, Jesus said to them, Make sure that you are not deceived. That will be the sign of the end of the world. Deception through media. Deception in the churches. Deception with the occult world. 
deception with false religions. Governments deceiving the people of the nation of, of the of the societies. Make sure one of the signs is deception. Many will come in my name, saying I, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. Antichrist is coming to portray himself as Christ. Just recently, the Pope said Klaus Schwab is Christ, the Pope of Rome. You have many of these Buddhists and uh, in the Far East, they're basically portraying themselves as Christ. There is someone that's going to come out of the Islamic world, and it could be this Muhammad bin Salman of Saudi Arabia. There are 21 Arab nations that are basically joining together. These nations will be the great Muslim army that will go to Armageddon, if I understand it correctly. You're going to have the forces of the Antichrist West, and then you're going to have forces of China with the Asian sisters also. But the Muslim, the Islamic armies must also come to Armageddon. And I believe that right now they're looking for the what they call the Mahdi or this one supposed prophet that is to come in uh, the, the Muslim religion. And 21 Arab nations have pretty much joined together to become a economic block, a military block, a Muslim block of nations that they they don't want China to rule the world. They don't want the United States to rule the world. They're tired of European rule out of Europe, of, uh, out of Western Europe. Everybody, Christ said that there will be people and in a, a not just somebody in a, in a city in a park proclaiming to be Christ. No, it's going to be more open like that. I'll just leave it at that. Many will come in my name saying I am Christ will deceive many. You will hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. All these must, things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. We have already entered the time of the final wars. For 2,000 years, it's been rumors of wars. And there have been wars. But now, we're in the decade of the final wars. Now, these verses that I'm giving this part B of Matthew 24, they can be viewed in two ways. It could be from the time that Israel became a nation... Verse 8 says, these are the beginning of sorrows. It could be viewed that from the time that Israel became a nation, we have entered into a pregnancy 
We've been in a pregnancy. The world has been in a pregnancy from the time that Israel became a nation. And decade by decade, decade, Israel is beginning to show there's evidence that she's pregnant. That the world is in a time of sorrows. But eventually, there has to come that time in a pregnancy in that last month where it is evident that this child very shortly must be born, must be delivered. This is, you will hear of wars, rumors of wars. Don't be troubled. These things must come to pass, but the end isn't yet. Now, verse 7, now the wars begin. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Wars from one country in war with the conflict with another country, with another nation. Then within a society, there is internal problems like the Civil War in the United States back in 1860. You have war within. And not just the North and the South, but now you're going to have the nation at war with itself, the red states, the blue states, the races, ethnos against ethnos. You're going to have black against white, Hispanic against black. It just race against race. Then you're going to have wars in, you have the uh, people that are very conservative and those that are extreme in the sexual movements that are taking place presently, you're going to have Black Lives Matter, Antifa, all these different groups. Then you're going to have in this country also, you're going to have wars with religions. You're going to have Satanism at war with Christianity, Islam and witchcraft, Satanism joining together to go to war with Christians, some in Islam going to war with the LBGDQ, just internal strife. We're there. The pregnancy, we're in the last days of pregnancy. I'll put it this way. In the last decade, we have been in the last decade since Joe Biden came to office or was positioned in that office. He's not the president. He's just positioned there. Hard, the, the, the birth pains and the muscles beginning to push and the pain, I guess, that comes with that. The birth pains. We're in the time of birth pains. Something is going to be delivered. A child is going to be delivered. That child is delivered in verse 9. The delivery takes place in verse 9. The very first day of the coming tribulation. This is part C of Matthew 24. All these are the beginning of sorrows. We're in the time of sorrows. We're not in the time of the tribulation yet, the first half of the tribulation. The first half of the tribulation 
begins in verse 9, and it ends in verse 14. So 9 to 14, this is tribulation. Everything that's happening in these verses is tribulation. Great tribulation begins in verse 15. Great tribulation. Then it goes through. And uh, it, the tribulation ends. The tribulation ends in verse 28. And the time of wrath, the next segment, begins in verse 29. Verse 29 begins the period of the wrath of God upon the nations of the earth. So, this is how Christ put Matthew together. A pre-tribulation period called the time of sorrows. A tribulation period of time, three and a half years, which is just tribulation, but hardship, very, uh, but, but, but hardship. Then you have, in verse 15, now you have great tribulation from verse 15 to verse 28. And he's very specific and detailed in each of these segments. Then, again, in verse 29, then you have the time of the wrath of God poured out upon the world. Now, in this time of the wrath of God, before it is poured out, um, you know, rain, you begin with small droplets, and then very shortly you can have a deluge, a, a downpour. Just before the extreme hardships or, or judgments begin, after verse 29 is when the resurrection of the church takes place. Right after verse 29, in a 30-day period, somewhere in that first 30-day period, that rapture, or that, not rapture, that resurrection will take place. The body of Christ, the seven churches, will no longer, are no longer in the world. They're, they are done. No Catholic church, no Lutheran churches, Episcopalians, Evangelical, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Messianic, they're done. All the body, born again body of believers has now been raised, has been ascended, has been resurrected to the clouds, to the judgment seat of Christ. This happens right after verse 29 in Matthew 24. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. I'm sorry, I'll read 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be dark, the moon will not give her light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This is how detailed Matthew chapter 24 is. These verses, the prophecies are swarming 
they are moving up and down, left, right, away from, towards you, down, expanding, contracting. In these, each segment, in the Old Testament and in other scriptures throughout the New Testament, all of the, you have a, let's say you go buy a new, a new Ford pickup. You have the transmission, the powertrain, the rear end, the suspension, you have the motor, you have the electrical system, you have the air conditioning system, the cooling system, heating system, you have the, <clears throat> depending on, uh, on all your devices, it's complete. This here, in each of these segments, it's like taking a vehicle, putting, it in that ve putting that vehicle in these segments, and then dissecting, taking apart the systems in that vehicle, the braking system, all of it. This is the way that the Holy Spirit put these, this, uh, how Christ put this chapter together. It is intricate. It swarms. And, um, okay, so anyhow, these systems, these, all of these different segments, they swarm together. Israel becomes a nation again in 1948. Ezekiel chapter 37 has now been fulfilled. Many other scriptures also. Israel had to be a nation once again. It is. Now Israel's pregnant. The world is pregnant. The prophecies that will take place from the time of 1948 to the present. We are about to leave, we are about to end the time of sorrows. We are in the time of sorrows. It's a time where the labor has begun. The delivery has not yet taken place. The delivery, the, begin, the first day of the tribulation, I am looking at 2024, maybe toward the end of the year. This next year, I'm looking at that. I have to do some little more reading to look at verses to see how they fit. But 2024, from a natural point of view, from a worldly point of view, in China, it's the year of the dragon, which may mean nothing, but it just caught my attention. 2024, we're going to have that second a solar eclipse that crosses the country. And the previous solar eclipse, I think in 2019, it went across, put one mark across the country. This one puts a mark across the other, from the other side, or the country like an X. So it's like a big X has been stamped, will have been stamped by the sun, by the shadow on America. And it has kind of a pattern of the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet, T-A-U or T-A-V, Tav, Ta. Is this God saying that 
this will be the year where Antichrist is revealed to those who are looking and maybe he'll come to power in this country once again. We have to consider this may be the possibility. I know that, uh, and now I'll, I'm going to switch. I'm going to take you to a psalm, the, the prophecy of Psalm 83. I rehearse these thoughts over and over. And I just felt like the Lord was telling me, uh, as I was writing my notes last night, actually I wrote, have it right here in front of me. As I'm writing my notes, this is what I put down. Seven weeks ago, yesterday, Israel was attacked. This was the prophecy of Psalm 83. Asaph, one of the Levites, a musician that played for King David, he wrote Psalm 83. He, this was written 3,000 years ago. It is a prophecy that has not yet been filled, fulfilled. It was written specifically to Israel, not to the nations, not to the church, to Israel. Asaph, through the vision, through the prophecy, looked into the future, and he saw Israel as a country existing in the time before Messiah, Messiah comes. He's looking and he sees that Israel is once again a nation, a great nation. It exists. And he sees that Israel is going to be attacked. And so Psalm 83 until October 7th, Israeli time, that psalm was sitting there dormant. It was like, like a bear hibernating, ready to wake up. But it took the right; it had to take the right conditions to wake up, to be made alive, and it was given life. It's been sitting, waiting patiently, and finally, the attack occurred in southern Israel. Psalm 83 is fully awake, fully alive, is in motion is been activated putting two chemicals together the they're activated like resin and a hardener with uh, epoxy it's activated now what's unique about psalm 83 many things it has a day to begin it will have a day that it ends when it's complete when it has been the whole prophecy has been fulfilled. So I went on with my notes. 
most or I put or rather very few Christians very very few <clears throat> have heard about this prophecy they've never heard they don't know about it they're not aware of it here in America with this great evangelical church that studies the scripture we've been other than a few ministries other than a few uh, end time ministries I guess would be the way to put it nobody's paid attention to the eschatology the study of the end time the study of the end time is as important and as as important as theology and doctrine it's as important especially now where that where we are because Christ told us what to look for at his coming shouldn't we pay attention to it about we really should so then I realized, wow, or I said, very, very few Christians, evangelical Christians, they're not aware of this prophecy. They've never heard of it. And to this very day, they still haven't. And when I, I sat there, and I just had to write, wow. And I thought, Lord, I've already done Psalm 83 a few times before. The Lord said, do it again. My people aren't listening. My people aren't getting it. They're not comprehending what this war is about. And they're siding with the Palestinians. <clears throat> they're siding with even to side with the Palestinians is to side with the terrorist groups. And my people are siding with my enemies. These people are my enemies. God says, they are my enemies. They hate me. They're at war with me. And because they're at war with me, they're trying to destroy my elect. The Jewish people in Israel. Are my people in Israel, are they all uh, are they are they being faithful to me? No. They're like any other culture. They're after the good life. They're live, doing what they want, enjoying what they want, worshiping idols, involved with all kinds of sinful things. No. But they're still my children. And I'm going to... There's a plan I still have with them. And I have to protect them and... In Psalm 83, God has made it very clear, clear to the leaders of Israel. They are to obey what God said is to happen. They are to destroy the enemies of God that hate God, these terrorist groups, these Muslim groups, the extreme terrorists, must be destroyed. And he makes it clear in Psalm 83, and I'm going to read the chapter again. 
that they are going to die and their bodies are going to lie in the fields where they die. They won't be buried. Now, Israel, for the Christians that don't understand Bible prophecy, many Christians believe that Israel has been replaced by the body of Christ. That is errant doctrine. That's errant. Israel can never be replaced by anybody. Israel as a nation is going to rule the kingdom to come. In the millennial kingdom, that, that kingdom, they were promised a kingdom. They have to exist. They're going to be promoted. They're going to be elevated. And the Christian, many in the Christian churches believe that Israel has been replaced. They're insignificant. They're not needed. Because you don't, because they don't know the Bible. They don't know what God says about Israel. They don't realize what God says about the church, the promises to the church, and the, the negative warnings to the church. The warnings God has given to Israel as a nation. There are blessings and there are negative sanctions to Israel and positive sanctions. They're in the middle of inheriting land right now. They're going to inherit the area of Jordan. There are positive sanctions to come to Israel. There are positive sanctions to come to the church, the churches. I'll talk about again, the evangelical churches. But after this war is over in Psalm 83, there are some negative sanctions coming to Israel. There are some punishments by the hand of God. And God is going to use this coming abomination of desolation or the Antichrist to punish Israel almost into, uh, punish them to the point where they're not going to exist. There's going to be very few left when these coming wars and Armageddon is over. There's a great punishment coming to Israel. Now, to the church. There is a great punishment coming to the body of believers nation, internationally, to all the seven churches, and to all the churches that are in America. There is a great punishment coming because of our apostasy. And guess who's going to do the punishing? You're not going to be told what I'm telling you. Antichrist is going to punish Israel to the point of <clears throat> obliteration. And Antichrist, he's not coming from the Middle East. He's not coming from Europe, King Charles. His rule and his seat is in the United States of America. This is why God's children, you need to begin to spiritually, to exercise spiritually so that you can have the strength 
in the soul, in your mind, your emotion, your will. That can only come by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. By the grace that God can give an individual through the Spirit. This individual, God is going to allow this individual to punish the seven churches, the seven lampstands in the United States of America for their apostasy. But because we're believers, because we're born again, we do have a position and a place in eternity. And for the faithful, we will be at the awards banquet in the millennial kingdom. Not all the Christians are going to be at the awards banquet. Some are going to be in outer darkness, weeping. They're going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then, the third corporate group, which I didn't even mention, there are three corporate groups of people, the way God sees it. Israel, the church, and the nations. Now, the nations also, Antichrist is coming to punish the nations internationally. So this individual is God's, I hate to say representative, but there's no other way to say it. Coming, he's going to be used by God to punish the, in the church, those that have not been faithful, and the faithful, we're going to the faithful, like Christ said, if you follow me, you will be persecuted, you will be hated, you will suffer for my namesake. Even he says that there will be those that, that are beheaded, meaning either they actually are beheaded or they just, their lives are ended. But in Israel, Israel is for the most part because they have been they're going to sign an agreement with this coming individual it's a, it's kind of like a uh, it is like a marriage contract they're married the children of Israel are married Israel is married to God but they decide they don't want God to protect them they want an individual who stands in the holy place eventually declares himself to be God, puts an image in that holy place. It's a marriage contract. Well, God is going to annul that. It, it, they're, they're giving God divorce papers. God is going to tear up the divorce papers. He cannot divorce Israel, regardless of how unruly they have been, how unruly they will be. He can't divorce them. They're his people. He can't. He pro made promises. He made covenants. He's going to keep these covenants made with them and the promises made to them, to the servants, to Moses, to David. They're his. We, in the evangelical churches, through rebirth, we are Christ's. Those that are faithful, the rewards are coming in the millennial kingdom. And we get to enjoy rewards and the blessings 
in, the, in time. Those that have been unfaithful, there's no rewards banquet for them. There's for a thousand years outside of the presence of Christ. Oh, but they will, but, but upon the, once the, tri, the uh, millennial kingdom is concluded, these individuals will be ushered in, they will be, uh, the doors will be open to eternity. So we'll be together once again. Now the nations, the nations also are going to be punished by Antichrist. Jeremiah chapter 51. Jeremiah presents a, an individual, a nation, that will be a sledgehammer, a wrecking, a wrecking maul, M-A-U-L. It will be a nation that God will use to destroy everything that has harmony. There will be no harmony. He'll destroy relationships with husbands and wives, the old, with industry, with, uh, yeah, every kind of industry. He's going to destroy the balance of everything. That's what he does. That's all, all he can do. Where there is a balance, there will be imbalance. Where there is a, a wonderful structure, there'll be chaos. Where there is uh, sanity, there will be madness. And God said he's going to allow that nation, a nation under the rulership of this individual, to have a city that is a great place to live. It will be shambles when he punishes it, when he judges it, after he destroys it. It's all these prophecies are swarming. They're all swarming. Some haven't begun to take off yet. Like the matter of the tribulation. It's coming. It's still sitting on the ground. It hasn't been allowed to leave or, or to come alive. But as soon as the time of sorrows is ended, once this child is delivered, the child's name is tribulation. Once tribulation is delivered, the Christian people that follow eschatology will now know two things. The tribulation has begun. Three things. We will be on a new timeline, a time schedule, the prophet's calendar, the prophet's timeline. A month will be 30 days. A year will be 360 days. Day begins at sundown, and a day ends at sundown. Everything will be done Israel time. We will not use for, we in the mountain time zone area, we will not look at anything from the time zone perspective. The prophets of this country will have to look at everything that is happening from Jerusalem time. Jerusalem time, that day will begin Jerusalem time. Then the prophecy of the three and a half years 
1,260 days. The first day will be Jerusalem time, and that's how we keep the schedule and the timeline that God will be in on. All right, that God will be on. 1,260 days later, the first half ends. Now, on that next day, you begin the second half of 1,260 days. That is the first day of the, tribu the Great Tribulation. That Great Tribulation only lasts for 1,260 days, Israel time, prophet's timeline, with the prophet's calendar. When that 1,260th day has ended, that seven-year tribulation is over. Now we've entered into the first day of a 30-day period called the time of wrath, the beginning of wrath. In that 30-day period, two things I believe are going to happen. Firstly, there will be a resurrection of all the born-again people. Late in that 30 days, maybe right at the beginning of the next final 45-day period, the, the kingdom of Antichrist, the land of Antichrist, will be completely destroyed forever. If, that is the, if that's the United States, then this nation will be destroyed forever. And by that time, the person that destroys this country is Antichrist with a group of other ten nations. They all agree to send the nukes from Greenland, uh, the nukes that are on land, straight up, straight down, the destruction comes to this country. It will be complete. No one will live here. The whole nation will be completely destroyed by Antichrist. He destroys his own nation. He destroys his own people. This is what the Bible says. It will come to pass. But now, this individual, he will have left this country and he will have his empire, his palace, in, I believe, the area of Lebanon. And I believe he will put it near the area where the fallen angels, I'm wondering if it's going to be near an area called Belbek, or Baalbek, where they built these great, massive temple with these great, massive 8,000-ton 8, stones that no human could ever move moved and put in place by fallen by the uh, Nephilim, half angel, half man creatures. They put these things together. They were a, I guess you could use the term, a entrance to Hades. I believe that may be the case. This is where that individual put up his empire and his palace. We're done with the second hour. We'll be back. God bless you. Those who are leaving, God bless you. Colorado, be back.
Hi, this is Craig James from Just Informed Talk Radio, and I'm here to tell you about my kind CBD products. I have been using these products myself, and I can tell you this is the highest quality CBD product I've ever used in my life. My kind CBD products are 100% THC free, locally sourced from Colorado hemp farmers, and they're organic. And if you want, you can give them a shot today by going to 1360KHNC.com slash shop. And when you do, make sure you try out everything from the sunscreen, to the lotion, to the salve, to the retinol cream, to the tinctures, to the cocoa, to the coffee, to the tea, everything in between. And make sure you try out the pet products as well. They have pet shampoo and pet tincture. You're not going to be disappointed. These products are white labeled and sold in high-end stores and boutique salons for two, three, and four times the price you're going to be paying at 1360KHNC.com slash shop straight from the manufacturer. So go there and buy your products today. And I know you're going to become a repeat customer just like me. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. Are you looking to sell your excess construction equipment? Trust Steffes Group's team of professionals to get you the best return on your investment. Steffes Group is a nationally recognized leader in the auction business with over 60 years of experience. Their team of professionals prioritize honesty, integrity, and outstanding service, and they work with you every step of the way to ensure a smooth and successful auction process. Go to steffesgroup.com right now to find a sales representative near you and discuss your options today. Hi, this is Rod with PCs and Parts. We are giving away a free desktop PC for the month of December. So come by and check it out and enter to win our free PC giveaway. We provide sales and service for all makes and models. For all your computer needs, come by and see us. We are located in the Orchard Shopping Center in Loveland next to the Ace Hardware. Or you can find us at PCsandparts.com. Call us at 970-203-0696. That's 970-203-0696. It's a perfect time to plant trees during the Tree Farm's 50-cent tree sale. Buy the first tree at regular price and get a second tree for only 50 cents. Choose from thousands of carryout-sized shade trees, flowering trees, evergreen trees, and more. Buy one 7- to 8-foot-tall flowering tree for only two sixty-nine fifty, and get another tree for only 50 cents. That's two 7-gallon trees for only two seventy. You Come take see. I-25 to exit 235, then 5 miles west to the tree farm. Bleed Stop, clinically proven and FDA cleared to stop even arterial bleeds. Pour it into the wound, apply direct pressure, and clotting occurs in seconds. No stinging or burning. Minor cuts or major wounds, Bleed Stop is a must for first aid kits, backpacks, and trauma bags. Find Bleed Stop by clicking on the Bleed Stop button on the 1360KHNC webpage. Products and prices listed on the KHNC website are 20% off the regular Bleed Stop website prices. Get yours today. The Blue Dragon Spa is a man-friendly spa with women bringing their husbands and significant others in for pedicures all the time. Men's feet hurt too, don't forget. Blue Dragon Spa, 1811 Hover Street, Suites A and B, Longmont, Colorado, 720-680-0492, 720-680-0492. 
this is Ron Tafoya, owner and operator of New Method Cleaners, Northern Colorado's oldest dry cleaners. Men's clothing to women's fashions, we clean it all. Give us a call with all your cleaning questions. If we don't clean it, we might have a solution. We have two locations to serve you in Severance and Fort Collins. Please call us at 970-775-0623. 970-775-0623. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network. And we're back for the third hour of today's Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. The programs are streamed here on the station, 1360 AM radio, are streamed at all times. Podcasts for the hosts and my programs, the Olive Tree Ministry and the Present Truth program during the middle of the week from 2 to 3, Monday through Friday, are archived on the podcast at 1360khnc.com. My contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. I want to thank everyone for your prayers. Thank you. I am not ignoring Satan's devices. Satan hates every born-again believer. Pray for yourselves. Pray for your protection. Pray that you will be not be led into temptation. Pray that you will be protected from the evil of the evil one and the evil children of this world. Pray for yourselves. Don't take prayer lightly. It is the power of God to... uh, It is the, the way in which God has given His children the basic... I, I even say it is a... Uh, almost want to say it would be an order for God's children. We have to pray in spirit, not in the soul, not in the flesh... But we are to pray in spirit. We are, we, Christ said, we have, or it stated, we have not because we ask not. And Christ did say that ask and it will be given, seek you will find, knock and the door shall be opened. We are to pray. We need to be covered with prayer. Uh, As a parent, I cover my family with prayer every day, my family, my brothers, sisters, family members, nieces, nephews, my wife's family, friends, because this is the way that God, this is the one weapon that God has given His people 
It's the sword of the Spirit so that we can fight battles. And there will be battles, no doubt about it. But I want to thank everybody for your prayers for me. Again, do not pray in the soul. Pray in spirit. Don't pray just in the mind, emotion, and will. But pray in the intuition. Pray in your heart. Pray in your conscience. Don't ask the Lord to deal with me because I have imperfections. Please don't do that. Well, there's a uh, watchman knee. He was ill. He had been ill for a while. Fighting a battle every day to stay alive. One day, the Holy Spirit, while he was in his bed in China, the Holy Spirit told him, get out of bed and uh, go listen to the these women downstairs that are praying. And he was able to get out of bed and went over to the landing and looked down and he could hear their prayers. And they were saying, Oh Lord Jesus, deal with him, deal with him. He's too, he's too much in himself. He's too proud. He's too arrogant. Deal with him. Deal with his flesh. Deal with his arrogance. Deal. And he stopped them. He said, Sisters, you need to stop praying that way. You're praying in the soul. Don't pray for me that way. They stopped praying. He got well right away. Right away. Same day. If you pray in the soul, you can, you can put a curse on people. This is how the witches, the people in the occult, they pray with the power of demons behind their words. Do not pray in the soul. But in the spirit... If you see somebody that uh, maybe you see something that they don't see, well, you just ask the Lord, well, Lord, amen. I pray you help them, Lord, with their weakness, whatever it may be, help them. Don't pray in the soul. Okay. Now, I'm going to cover Psalm 83. A, a psalm that was written 3,000 years ago, a prophecy that began on October 7th, Israel time, when Israel was attacked by Hamas. This is in the Bible. And um, it had to take place. It did take place. It was prophesied. I'm just trying to decide which. Okay, yep, I've got it right here. All right. Psalm 83. And the Asaph, he was a uh, musician, one of the he was a Levite. He would uh, sing praises. He would do the worship for King David. First one. God do not keep quiet. And he looked into the future to what was happening in Israel in the time preceding the attack. He knew the attack was coming. The five Hamas leaders for two years kept it quiet. They did not tell anybody what the plan was going to be with, Is with Hamas and Israel. For two years... They put together arms. They put together strategies. These five men. They planned this attack ahead of time. It was during the time when 
Israel was basically at peace to some degree. But Asaph, Asaph saw this. God, do not keep quiet. God, do not be silent or still. In other words, Lord, wake up. Wake up. Something's going to happen. Verse 2. Your enemies are beginning to make noises. They're beginning to... Uh, they're, 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 I can hear a rage in them, in a tumult. Your enemies are planning something. Those who hate you. This is what Asaph says. Those who hate you, meaning God, are getting ready to attack. They're preparing. I say they spent more than two years preparing. I say three. They're ready to raise up their head. In other words, they're going to look and they're going to see and they're going to find the right opportunity in time. They're going to attack. Verse 3. They are making secret plans. They are plotting. These plans are directed now, God. They hate you, but now they're making plans against your people. They are plotting against those that you love, those who you cherish, those who you treasure. Verse 4. They say, come, let's destroy them. Let's wipe them out as a nation. Then no one will ever remember the name of Israel. They hate God. They want to destroy the Jewish people. And they want to erase the name of Israel. This is very intricate. It is clear that the Hamas terrorists hate God. They are at war with God. And they have full intentions of destroying the children of Israel completely. Then it's made clear that they want to not only destroy the children of Israel, but the name Israel. 3,000 years ago, this prophecy began its first day, October 7, 2023. It will have an end. There will be the day when Psalm 83 is finished. It is concluded. It is now history. We're still in the early days of this prophecy. Verse 5. They are one. They're united in their plan. Their plot is with one mind and one heart. The, they, these have made an agreement. They've made a treaty, a covenant. It's against you, God. Verse 6. The families. Okay, now Asaph begins to actually mention the families. Right now, uh, the families of Edom, which is the area down by Aqaba to the south of Israel and east into Saudi Arabia. These are the children of Esau, Jacob's twin brother. So right away, the first ones mentioned, the children of Esau and the Ishmaelites. 
the children of Ishmael. This is very clear. Now, Esau, he married the daughters of Ishmael. So their family. And this southern area, the families of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites. Now, if you go in present-day Jordan to the south, you have Edom and to the east. Going north, right above Edom, you have an area of Moab. Moab was Lot's first son. Lot had a son through his daughter after Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. And through his daughter, he had the oldest boy, Moab. Moab resides in the center portion of modern-day Jordan. And the Hagrites. Also, these are children of the surrounding area. I believe many would include Ishmael also. But the Hagrites from maybe further to the north and east. Then you have verse 7. The people of Byblos. Now this would be the city in Lebanon. So these are distinct territories that are being mentioned with distinct people. Then he, he's looking to the north and west toward Lebanon. Then the next word, Ammon, he comes back in his thinking to an area in present-day Jordan, north of the area of Moab. Right above the territory of Moab, Lot's older boy, the oldest son to his daughter, the first grandson, north is an area called Ammon, which would be the area of Ammon, Jordan. Now, Ammon was the second son of Lot through his younger daughter, and this is where Lot's younger son resides. So you have Ammon below that Moab. Then you have Esau down at the bottom. Well, Lot, when he had left Ur the Chaldees, eventually his nephew Lot is taking care of cattle in that area around Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot is fully aware of the God that Abraham worships. Fully aware of that. Also, he, through the years with his family, he knew that the children of Israel eventually moved to Egypt with Joseph later on. But the Moabites and the Ammonites stayed in that area. They knew what happened with the children of Israel. And they knew the God of Israel. But here, they're making and plotting with each other to destroy Israel. Byblos, up in Lebanon. Ammon. Amalek, which was also in that region. I think... Uh, into present-day Israel, Philistia, 
Philistia, I think, was the area where Gaza sits and the inhabitants of Tyre. Now Tyre, going up north again, above Israel, toward Lebanon, you have Tyre that sits up there. So you have the nation of Jordan involved. You have two cities in Lebanon involved. Some of the groups that may have had some area in present-day Israel also. Then it says, verse 8, Even Assyria has joined them. Now he introduces the area of Syria, which is a vast portion of land to the north of Israel. So you have Assyria has joined them to help Ammon and Moab and the descendants of Lot. So he says, so, Selah. So, so now you have to the east side of Israel, the, the Moab, Ammon, Edom. Above Israel, Assyria, part of Syria. Further to the west, to the west along the coast in Lebanon. Now you have that whole region. Now he goes on. He says, do to them what you did to Midian which you did to Sisera and Jabin at the Kishon River. Do to them what you did to these three, uh, these two people, to Midian, Sisera, Jabin. They died at Endor. Their bodies uh, rotted on the ground. Now, the Philistia is Gaza. It's where the Philistines used to live. So Gaza is involved. I think Amalek was in the area where I believe, I have to look and check, but I believe this was in the area where the West Bank is, in that vicinity. So you have Gaza covered, the West Bank, you have Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan all the way down to Aqaba and to the east with Esau and the Ishmaelites. The whole nation of Israel, the enemies have surrounded Israel. Asaph is saying, Lord, everyone around Israel and within Israel, they are planning to destroy your inheritance. Wake up. Wake up. Say something. Speak to them. Make it clear to them that you are going to punish them. Since the day that the war began, Israel, how the war was going to begin has been what many people are discussing. Did Israel know about it? Did they allow it? Did America know about it? Did they allow it? Did Russia know about it? But there's nothing Russia could do. Did, uh, is America innocent in the, in the matter? Is the present administration, Netanyahu and the, uh, political, the government, 
Did they know about it? Did they allow it? This is where you have to take uh, you. We have to put God in the equation. God sees everything. God allows things to happen, and He knows all the answers to the questions that are being asked. But I will say this: This is my position. This war began on that day, on the October 7th. It had to begin. No one knew how it was going to begin. But it had to begin, and it did begin. Whether or not Netanyahu and the Israeli military were part of it or not, that's in God's hands. But the fact is this, for we Christians and for the people of the world, there was an enemy. This enemy hates God. They hate the Jewish people. They want to eliminate the Jewish people. They had prepared for the battle. And as they had planned Hamas, it has gone. This is what they wanted. But they didn't see the prophecy in Psalm 83. Israel is going to win the battle. So far, this, this conflict, so far, everything Hamas has done has been, you might say, uh, scuttled by Israel. Jordan, I'm sorry, uh, Lebanon immediately was in the conflict. Iran is in the conflict. Iran, there's another prophecy in Ezekiel 38 39. The punishment is coming to Iran. Iran is backing the terrorist groups in Gaza, in Lebanon, in Syria, and will back the terrorist groups in Jordan. Jordan is not yet involved. Jordan is doing everything possible to stay out of the conflict. Syria is going to push Jordan, is going to coerce them into joining the battle, telling King, telling Abdullah, King Abdullah II, that if you join us, we can end Israel forever. Jordan is going to be involved very shortly. I haven't watched the news for the last couple of days. They may be involved. I don't know. I do know. This prophecy has begun. Jordan is going to become involved. Ammon, Moab, the children of Lot, must be punished. Also Esau, they must be punished for all of the hardships they brought upon the nation of Israel for the last 3,000 years. They're going to be punished. And this is the beginning of the punishment of the surrounding nations and the West Bank within the nation of Israel, the area east of the temple area, and Gaza. Gaza is going to be a possession for Israel. Now this is, I'm just reading out of Psalm chapter 83. I will give you the other chapters you can read that highlight, add to, make more clear. If I can get my nose here to come apart. I'll give you the 
chapters and the and the, the books to read. Ezekiel chapter twenty five. This is a prophecy against Ammon Jordan, Lot's younger boy. That's Ezekiel twenty five. Verse uh, eight. Then there's a prophecy in Ezekiel about Moab and Mount Seir, which is the area south of Moab, where Esau dwelt. Then it talks about Edom more specifically in verse 12. Verse 8 through 11 is a prophecy against Moab. Verse 1 through 7 is a prophecy against the northern part of Jordan. Prophecy against Esau is verses 12 through 14. Then you have a prophecy against the Philistines, which is Gaza. It's very clear. Ezekiel, that's Ezekiel 25, verses 15 through 17. These prophecies are all taking place presently. And the nations specifically mentioned, Moab, Ammon, Edom, the people in the Gaza Strip, the people in Lebanon, in Syria, and then eventually there's going to be the exclamation point which will be the destruction of Damascus. So, we're going to go to a short break at the bottom of the hour here. The podcasts for this Olive Tree program are on 1360khnc.com to the podcast section. And this is 1360 AM Radio, Johnstown, Colorado. And, uh... I'm James Morgan, a realtor with Grisham & Associates, LLC. I know it must seem like there's a million realtors out there making all kinds of promises. Want to hear my big marketing promise? I promise honest and fair dealings with all those I do business with. That may sound old-fashioned, and it is not very catchy, but it is true. I am your Colorado real estate specialist. Farm, land, mountain cabins, or urban dwellings. When you work with my team, we'll get the right property for you and be upfront and honest with you every step of the way. Over the years, my clients have told me just that fact alone separates us from others in the industry. If you are considering buying or selling real estate, call me, James Morgan, at 720-203-0731 or visit my website at coloradoproperties.online. No catchy slogan, just a client-first, honest real estate experience. Hit it, girls. Keep listening to the American Freedom Network. Continuing, my contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 805. 
0-2, and prog programs are streamed on the station live daily at all times. Okay, now I'm going to finish with Psalm 83. He says that the, the leaders, the commanders, these soldiers are going to die on the battlefield. And also the women and the children, God will protect them. Israel has been given a commandment by God not to harm the women and children. You have some of the radicalized women. Well, God will take care of the people that he wants to protect. They will move out of Gaza. They must move to other nations that don't want them. But that prophecy will come to pass. The men, many of these people that are in battle, will be buried under the rubble. They will not be put in graves. They will die on the fields of battle and they will decompose on the fields of battle. Many are under tons and tons and tons of concrete. They can't reach them. They won't. Even if they're a high commander, they'll do nothing to try to retrieve that body. Due to the important leaders, I just got done telling you, the commanders, here it is how clear Asaph was, Due to the important leaders, what you did to Oreb and Zeb, do their princes, due to their princes, what you did to Zebra, Zeba, I'm sorry, and Zalmunna. They said, let us take for ourselves the pasture lands that belong to God. My God, make them like tumbleweeds, like chaff blown away by the wind. Be a fire that burns a forest or like flames that blaze through the hills. Chase them with your storm. The storm came from above with Israel's air force. And then with the troops that came in. Israel has been so victorious that Hamas, I'm sorry, Hezbollah in Lebanon has made a decision. They probably should not have gotten involved in this battle. It's too late. God suckered them into action against Israel. Now, the prophecies against Lebanon, Tyre, Byblos are going to be fulfilled. Hezbollah is going to be taken out. Hezbollah is going to end in Lebanon. Lebanon is going to be given back to the leaders of that nation. Hezbollah has been controlling it. Assyria, in Syria. Syria should not have made the mistake of getting involved. They did. It's right here in Psalm 83. Syria, the our enemies, the terrorists that hate God are also going to die in battle. The women and children will be protected as God desires. In Jordan. Jordan will enter into this conflict. When Jordan enters in, then for the Christian people, know that the battle is now going to begin, or is beginning, is near its end. Once Jordan is in, the battle is, we're getting toward the ends of the battle. 
the battle will be still fierce, but Israel is going to be victorious over present-day Jordan and will rule that land, will take over that land, will occupy that land, will add to the uh, real estate of present-day Israel. Present-day Israel will expand, expand to about three times its size. This is what is said, said. This is what is stated. It's going to happen. Then, the conclusion of this war to finish Psalm 83 will be the destruction of Damascus. Damascus, one of the oldest cities in the Middle East, is going to be destroyed. I'm going to read it to you right here in Isaiah 17. This is a message, it's a prophecy, it's an oracle, it's a burden about Damascus. Look, the city of Damascus will be destroyed. It will cease to be, Isaiah 17, only ruins will remain. The cities of Aurora will be abandoned, abandoned, desolated, I'm sorry, deserted. Flocks will wander freely in those towns. They will lie down. No one will bother them or disturb them. The strong-walled fortified cities of Israel, Ephraim and the most influential tribe of the northern kingdom of Israel will be destroyed. The government in Damascus will end. The government in Damascus will end. Those that are left alive of Aram will be like the glory of Israel. In other words, the Jewish people have got to get out of that area. They will. Now I'm going to read Amos chapter 1. Uh, this is about, in verse, uh, Amos 1 verse 3. For the many, the many crimes the many transgressions of Damascus. I will punish them. They drove over the people of Gilead with threshing boards that had iron teeth. So I will send fire on the house of Hazael, or the royal dynasty of Syria, that will destroy the strong towers of Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad is the prince, is a spirit that rules over that city. Like in the book of Daniel, Daniel prayed and petitioned God for protection of Israel, and it took the prayers that Daniel prayed 21 days, uh, it took 21 days for a response to come from God to Daniel to tell Daniel that his prayers had been heard. And Michael and the archangel, Michael the archangel had to fight against the prince of Persia. Well, Michael doesn't need to fight against people. His battle is with other spirits, powers in the heavens, the prince of Persia. So Persia has a spirit that rules over it. Well, here it's saying that that he's that God is going to send fire on the house of Hazael, 
that will destroy the strong towers of Ben-Hadad, meaning the, the, uh, the sites of power in the city, the control centers, the, 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 where all of the plans are made, they will be destroyed. But also, that spirit that rules Damascus is now going to be unemployed, so to speak. Now, I don't have time because we're at the end of the program, but it also says in other verses that there is a spiritual prince that run, runs or rules over the area of Ammon through idol worship. Those princes in the air are also going to be put out of work. They're going to be... Uh, what was the word I just used? Unemployed. Also, in Moab, the altars, the gods that they worship, they are going to be torn down and destroyed and made powerless. The spirits are going to be unemployed. Well, this is what he's saying here about the strong towers of Ben-Hadad. The spirit that they worship is, is the god of fire. The God of fire is what they worship. Well, what does, what does uh, Amos say in verse 4? I will send fire. They want to worship fire? I will send fire upon the house of Hazael. I will bring, I will destroy the strong towers of Ben-Hadad. I will break down the bar of the gate of Damascus. In other words, nothing can keep God from going in to destroy Damascus. It can, it, you can't stop it. Israel is going to go in and burn that city with fire and destroy the king who is in it. Now the king here actually is the spirit, not only, uh, uh, what's his name? Bashar al-Assad, not only replace him or destroy him he may be taken captive along with the royal family that may be the possibility but he's going to be dethroned but also the spirit the king that rules that city is going to be unemployed he's going to destroy the king who was in it in the valley of Avon as well as the leader of Beth Eden the people of Aram will be taken captive to the country of be taken to the country of Kir, Kir which is uh, I think more so in Syria in further deeper into Syria now Amos chapter 1 verse 6 now we're going to talk about the people in Gaza. For the many crimes, for the sins of Gaza, I will punish them. They sold all the people of one area, the whole community, as slaves to Edom, to Esau. So I will send fire on the walls of Gaza that will destroy the city's strong buildings. This is exactly what's happening. These prophecies are being fulfilled. Psalm 83 with the sister 
uh, uh, prophets, Ezekiel, Amos, Jeremiah. Now, I wouldn't say that these, this was written before Amos. No, wait a second, wait a second. They were written, this was written after Ezekiel and Jeremiah about the time of Amos prophecies. This had been the time of King David. I think these were later. Uh, Psalm 83 was later. I will destroy the king of the city of Ashdod, the one who sits over the city of Ashdod once, as well as the leader of Ashkelon. I will turn against the people of the city of Ekron, and the last of the and the last of the Philistinians will die. The Philistinians would be the enemies of God. These are the Hamas terrorists. Israel has a... I'm going to stop just for a second and present something. Israel, there are many of the Hamas soldiers that are being captured or surrendering. Israel has a situation where I don't remember how many thousands of these people are that are now in captivity. Israel can't release them. Should Israel release them, they will find another group to work with to continue the attacks on Israel the people and the soldiers. Israel can't really afford to keep them incarcerated, nor can Israel do away with them. So this is a, prob this is a very big problem for Israel. What is the answer? Well, I hate to say that eventually they will be let loose to continue their campaign against the children, their campaign against the children of Israel. Why do I say that? With Psalm 83, this is Israel's big victory. The whole world will see it, and God is using it so that the nations of the world will realize that the God of heaven is with Israel, He is their God, and that He is alive that prophecies will come to pass as stated. After Damascus is destroyed, the Psalm 83 war will be concluded. Then the next prophecies that are swarming, waiting to come to pass will be Ezekiel chapter 38, 39. As I stated in the first hour, I didn't state this actually in the first hour. I'll state it now. In the time of birth pains before the tribulation begins, Psalm 83 must be concluded. Psalm 83 is fulfilled during the time of birth pains, the time in which we're in. Right after Psalm 83 is concluded, then the next prophecies that must take place in the time of sorrows before the tribulation is Ezekiel 38 and 39. 
Russia with all of her comrades, comrade nations, will come to present-day Jordan and the battle will take place in present-day Jordan. Not in the nation of Israel, but in the new acquired land after Psalm 83 is concluded, Israel will have acquired the land of Jordan. That is where Ezekiel 38-39, that's where the battle will take place in present-day Jordan. That war takes place in the time of sorrows, before the tribulation. It, by the time that war is concluded, we were right at the edge of tribulation. That is when I... The, we as believers have to begin to watch for Israel signing an agreement with a foreign power, an empire. After the Russian war, this is going to make me nervous when this happens because I know that right at the end of that war, I believe Israel will sign an agreement with the man of sin, with the, uh, the who will become the abomination of desolation and three and a half years later, the, uh, this individual. That will, when Ezekiel, that war is over, then the tribulation will begin. I stated that those who believe in a pre-trib a pre-trib rapture, you're going to be disappointed because when this agreement is signed, those that believe in that pre-trib rapture, you're going to be here. Now you're going to wait for the rapture that will take place before the great tribulation three and a half years following, you're going to be disappointed. This doctrine of demons was introduced into the world by a young girl who had a dream and presented her dream to clergy in Europe. And they began to look at her prophecy and they came up with a pre-trib rapture doctrine, a doctrine of demons. So for those that believe and hold to a pre-trib rapture, right after the Ezekiel, right after when the Ezekiel 38 and 39 prophecy is concluded, you're going to be disappointed because the tribulation will begin and you will still be here. I say this not to to poke you in the ribs. I say this because God is warning you. The Holy Spirit is telling you, you have embraced a doctrine of demons. It is keeping you from spiritually working your spiritual abilities to have the stamina that you're going to need in the tribulation. We have the time 
to work on our stamina spiritually. We need to do that. Our endurance spiritually. God will arrange things for us to, to test our faith. To see where our faith is so we have a gauge. Are we weak in the faith? Or are we strong? If you're having hardships and your faith is just collapsing, well then you need to repent and ask, begin to pray, Lord, strengthen my faith. Strengthen my faith. And you need to begin to read the Word, the Bible, and take verses that, that stand out and pray those verses. You know, the Bible says that we have an anointing and you should say, Lord, thank you. I have an anointing. I have a sense. You are, your spirit is working with me. Your working is, your spirit is, is I just sense that you're, you have many things happening with me. The anointing leads you to, uh, the anointing helps you to abide. In other words, so you stay in Christ, abiding. The anointing is there to help you abide in Christ. Then you have, in the epistle of John, first, first epistle, you have the unction. The unction leads you to truth. You just have a sense when you just feel uneasy about somebody saying something and you're not sure it's true or not. The unction will lead you to all truth. But you have to pay attention to it. We can pray that we know that have the distinction between the unction and the anointing. The anointing is for growth. The unction is to protect you, to keep you from believing a lie, to keep you solid in the in the doctrines of the scripture. The Lord is the Lord our blessings. We need to live in a world that is hostile. We need protection. You can pray, Lord, protect me from what I don't see. Keep me. Hide me. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Give me my daily bread. I thank you for that. We must be thankful for all things. God doesn't allow hardship to come because he enjoys it. He has to allow a little affliction so we grow. With affliction, we mature. Affliction isn't a negative thing. Affliction is a positive thing. It's it means that God loves you and that because you're his child, he must correct you, discipline you, direct you. And that's what he does. With eschatology, with the prophecies of the time that we live in, this coming person that's going to sign the agreement with Israel has been in power. He's been alive. He's a baby boom generation individual. He's not a 20-year-old kid. He's not 30 years old. He's been involved in politics for a long time. He has international recognition 
Christians don't think this way. He has international recognition. I say in my studies for since 1981, once I realized and studied scripture concerning the United States of America, there is no other nation in the Bible that matches in detail the empire that would exist in the years before Christ, an empire so powerful in every way, with technology every way, that it could be the hammer to destroy the whole earth under the hand of an antichrist. We're done. No, we're not done. We're continuing for a little while longer. My board is out of sync. It's okay. If the board is out of sync, that's great. But I don't want to be out of sync. <clears throat> so I'll continue with my thought. There's only one empire that matches every verse in detail about an end time empire, kingdom, nation that will be responsible for bringing the nation of Israel into existence. That God has commanded this nation to always assist Israel at all times with everything. Which meaning weapons, finances, with uh, from the perspective of news to just must work with Israel. I'm trying to think of the I'm think, trying to think of the right word with the media. The media must be, for the most part, positive. Israel and the United States of America. God has commanded the United States to help Israel. When this war began, on the first program I did the day after the war began, I made the comment, many people are very upset in this government that we supply and support Israel in every way. Well, I just say the Bible says America will send billions of dollars to help Israel. We'll send billions of dollars of weapons. Whatever Israel needs, we will supply. We will continue to call Israel an ally. We cannot change it. That's what is happening, will continue to happen. Many Christians are very upset about that. They are standing with Hezbollah. They feel that Israel is on a campaign to a, a, a genocide on the people of Gaza. That is not true. Israel is commanded to go to war with the enemies that hate God, the enemies that want to destroy the Jewish people and want to destroy the name of Israel itself. They don't have a choice. They must fight this battle according to the prophecies. Today, if Benjamin Netanyahu would just say, we're done, we're going to stop right now, we're going to be a ceasefire, 
Something would happen to prevent it. He cannot. They may have a... They can't, they can't really have a ceasefire. This war must continue. Israel must... How do I phrase it? Israel has a responsibility to be at war with and be victorious. All of the enemies in the terrorist groups. Israel will be successful. Nothing that we as Americans can do, America is going to help Israel. It's in the Bible. Militarily, not so much. America is not to put troops in the, the city, the nation of Israel. Israel will take care of this war solo. They need, a, they need finances. They need political support. They need weapons. We will provide that for them. But America will not participate in the battle. America is doing things with Iran and Syria. That's in the Bible. America is not innocent in what is happening in the sense that when this war is over, you're going to have the Gog Magog war. When it is over, America is going to begin to move and occupy the Middle East. This is the motive of America. And according to the Bible, we must move into the Middle East. Because of what we're doing presently, it's one of the hooks in the jaws of Russia, forcing Russia to come south. Russia is going to come with these other nations to present-day Jordan. Israel is going to be victorious. And America is going to set herself up. You think those warships are ever going to leave the Mediterranean? The aircraft carriers? I don't think so. What about the Navy inside the uh, Persian Gulf. I don't think they're going to be leaving. America setting herself up for the future. Israel eventually is going to sign an agreement. I can't, I'm running out of time. Once Israel signs that agreement, that agreement is known as a covenant in Daniel chapter 9, 27. It's an agreement. It's a just an agreement, a covenant. Then that covenant is that covenant is talked about in Isaiah chapter twenty-eight. It is called in verses fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. It is called the divorce papers. Israel divorces God. In Isaiah twenty-eight. 15, 16, 17, 18. It's called the treaty with death and hell. Death, the underworld. Death with Tophet. The treaty with death and Sheol. The treaty with the king of the depth of hell. It is a treaty 
that Israel has never been allowed to ever sign agreements of its type with any nation. Israel has been told by Isaiah and other prophets, your God only will protect you, care for you. In, in Isaiah uh, verse 46, 10, I declare the end from the beginning from, and from ancient times things that are not yet done saying I will do my pleasure what I have spoken will come to pass what I have planned will happen and in that chapter Isaiah says I know of no other God of Israel do you or I know of no other God there is only one God do you Well, Israel has one God. We believers have one God. I know of no other. But they decide to sign a marriage decree with the prince of the underworld. And for the next seven years, Israel will repeatedly be punished for signing an agreement and a very basically marrying themselves to man. King David said, I'll put my trust in the Lord. I'll put no confidence in man. Put my trust in the Lord. No confidence in princes. Well, I think we are about done for the day. I'm going to go back to normal programming. God bless you. God bless you. May God bless your week. May God bless you into this coming season. God bless you. Rick Rodriguez, the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I will be back next Sunday, 9 o'clock. So until then, I'm going to jump right now to regular programming. So God bless you. Talk to you next week again, podcast1360khnc.com.